Amen. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, there is so much that can distract us this morning. The cares of this world and the things of this world can easily cause us to lose focus, cause us to lose sight of what is most important. And that's why we pray. We pray and ask for your help that you would clear our minds, that you would clear our hearts. That all of our focus and all of our attention, that it would be given to your word. Father, we know that apart from your word, we will not survive. The cares and the things of this world will overcome us. We thank you that you not only give us your word, but you give us Jesus. You give us your spirit that opens up our eyes, that illuminates our hearts so that we can see Christ and that we can see him as glorious and wonderful and true, and better than anything this world could ever offer us. Oh, Lord, we pray for your help this morning to hear your words, but not only to hear them, but to believe them and to do them. Help us this morning, Lord. Help us this morning. Help me, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've been studying the book of Judges. And I want you this morning to put, a, put your hand on Judges 11 or put a bookmark there, and I want you to turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. Last week we began studying and looking at the life of Jephthah. And I wanted you to see something in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is known to us as the hall of faith. It tells about the wonderful people of God throughout the scriptures, how they um, showed extraordinary faith in the midst of difficult situations. It talks about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses. And I want you to look at, I want you to look at verse 32. Hebrews 11, verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, Obtain promises, stop the mouths of lions, quench the power of fire, escape the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. You see Jephthah's name in there? 
Did you see Jephthah's name amongst David and Jacob and Isaac and Moses? We just don't study Jephthah to learn more about Jephthah, about um, the things that happen in Judges. Look at, listen to why we study Jephthah. Look at verse, uh, ch- verse 1 of chapter 12. Therefore, therefore, since those who have come before us, therefore, those who have been listed in Hebrews 11, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The reason we study Jephthah, the reason we look at Jephthah, is so that we would throw aside sin. We study Jephthah so that he would point us to Christ, that we would see Jesus. That's why we study Jephthah this morning. We have been making our way through the book of Judges. And last week, we began the story of Jephthah. Pastor Tony reminded us of the series last week, a series of contradictions that the Christian life seems to display at times. We often find ourselves in Situations doing those things that would seem contrary to the Christian life, the Christian life that we all claim to live. Jephthah is a prime example of this, isn't he? He's a prime example of this in in this regard. It is often hard to tell whether Jephthah is good or bad. That's what we talked about last week. We also talked about how Jephthah came to be the judge of Israel. How the people of Israel went and and found this outcast. Jephthah was an outcast because he was born to a prostitute. Then he was also an outcast because his brothers outcast him, right? But but Jephthah was also an outlaw. He was an outlaw. He, when he was outcast, he, he gathered men around him and they were rebels, And so we saw ourselves in Jephthah last week. But not only did we see ourselves, but we saw how Jephthah ultimately is a foreshadow of Christ. That Christ, that Christ was the ultimate outlaw. He was the ultimate outcast whom God chose to fight for us and to go for us and to save us. Jephthah has already taught us a lot. But we have much more to learn from Jephthah. And so this morning we pick up the story. After he agrees to lead the people of Israel as they are set to fight against the Ammonites. And right off the bat we notice, we see that this is good Jephthah. This is good Jephthah. Remember remember the setting, right? The Ammonites come to take arms up against the people of Israel. And so the Ammonites are on one side, and the Israelites are on the other side. 
And the Israelites realize that the Ammonites want to fight them, but they don't have a leader. They need a leader. They need someone to fight for them. And so they remember that Jephthah, this person that they outcast, they remember that Jephthah is a mighty warrior. Jephthah could, 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 could fight for them. And so they go and they ask Jephthah to come and fight for them. And Jephthah agrees. He agrees to go fight for them. And we see in verse 12 here, Jephthah, soon as he comes to fight for the people of Israel, we see good Jephthah. Jephthah sends a message. He sends a message to the Ammonite king asking him why they have come to fight him. Jephthah wants to know what all the hoopla is about. He wants to know what is going on. Why do we need to fight, king of the Ammonites? Why do we need to fight? Jephthah wants to keep the peace. He doesn't want to fight. He wants to keep the peace. He's not interested in fighting, it seems. He wants to end this conflict peaceably. Well, the Ammonite king has no problem with this. The Ammonite king wants to end this thing peaceably. He doesn't want to fight. And so he sends back message to Jephthah telling him how they could end this thing peaceably. And in verse 13, we read this. And the king of the Amorites answered the messengers of Jephthah. Because Israel on coming out, up out from Egypt, took away my land from the Arnon to the Jabbok and the Jordan, now therefore restore it peaceably. Restore it peaceably. And this is where, this is where the story gets a little confusing. You see, Jephthah, Jephthah says, your land, this is your land. No, king, king of the Ammonites, I know that this is not your land. I know that the people of Israel, on coming out of the land of Egypt, they encamped around the land. They were gracious. They encamped around the land. God told them not to go into this land, and they were obedient. And they wanted to pass through the land. They wanted to pass through the land. And so they asked the king's permission if they could pass through the land. But the kings did not let them pass through the land. The king did not want them to pass through the land. And the kings got a little anxious. They thought that Israel would come and fight them. And so they took up arms against the people of Israel. And God gave the land into the hands of the Israelites. God gave us this land, king of the Ammonites. And, and, and you know what? That land didn't belong to you. We didn't take it from the Ammonites. We took that land from the Amorites. The Amorites, not the Ammonites. Here is the king of Ammon saying, this is our land, being deceitful. This is our land. This was not his land. The Israelites did not take this land from the Amorite, from the Ammonites. They took it from the Amorites. Confusing, isn't it? They took it from the Ammonites. I want you to see something here. I want you to notice 
that sin does not give up easily. The enemies of God, they don't, they don't flee without a fight. They are stubborn. They are stubborn. Sin is stubborn. You see, you see, God being rich and mercy applies the gospel to your heart, right? This is what happens. He applies the gospel to your heart, and it begins, and he begins to clean house. He disposes of its current occupants. He disposes of its current occupants, and now Christ reigns in your heart. He reigns in your heart, but sin, it, it always wants to try and get back in. It always wants to try and, and creep back into the land, into the territory it once occupied. It's sneaky. It wants to get back into your heart. It wants to get back in. And like Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring, lying, seeking someone to devour Sin is waiting for the opportunity to gain entrance, gain entry back into the center of your heart, and it deceives us, and it lies to us, bending the truth, seeing if we just might believe that lie. Isn't this, isn't this our experience as well? How many of us, when the gospel came into our hearts, and cleansed us of that sin. How many of us, three months later, a year later, that sin that, that God had given us victory over is suddenly beginning to rise its head, creeping up, sneaking, seeking, seeking to get back in to the center of your heart. Sin will wait as long as necessary for the opportunity to get in. It'll wait. It'll wait. Look at verse 26. Look at verse 26. It says, While Israel lived in Heshbon and its villages, and in Aror and its villages, and in all the cities that are on the banks of the Arnon, 300 years, why did you not deliver them within that time? Jephthah says to the king, of, king of, of the Ammonites, we've been in this land 300 years, and you're just now coming to get your land back? You're just now coming to get your land back? Israel did not have a leader. They had no one to fight for them before Jephthah came. They saw an opportunity to go in and take the land. Sin. Sin will wait as long as necessary to come back in and take the land. Sin wants to take over. And the Ammonite king, the Ammonite king wanted to come in and take over. Take back what he thought belonged to him. That is the nature of sin. That is the nature of sin. It wants to rule. It wants your heart. This is why it's so important that you know the nature of sin. You need to know your enemy. 
Jephthah knew. Jephthah knew the nature of sin. He was prepared for the attack. He, he was a skilled warrior. He was prepared for the deceitfulness of sin, and he was able to refute the lies because Jephthah knew the truth. Jephthah knew the truth. Did you see that? Did you see that? Jephthah knew the truth, that this land did not belong to the Ammonites. God had given them this land. The Ammonites tried to get into the land by telling them a truth, by telling them a lie. They tried to get in by telling them a lie but dis- and by distorting history. But Jephthah knew the truth. This is, this is an important thing to understand. We refute the lies of the enemy. We fight sin with truth. We fight sin with truth. Brothers and sisters, when sin comes in to deceive you and tell you lies to gain ground in your heart, we refute it with truth. When when sin comes into your heart, when it comes into your heart and tells you that there is no hope, you tells you that you can be depressed you can give in there's no there's no hope for you you speak truth to it psalms 42 says you say to your soul why are you cast down O my soul and why are you turmoil within me hope in god Hope in God, I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. You speak truth to those lies. When sin comes in and says that you are condemned, that your sin condemns you, so feel guilty. Keep on sinning. God doesn't love you. Feel guilty. You speak truth to that sin. In Romans 8 and 1, therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You speak truth to it. Or if sin comes in and tells you that you are not lovable, that you are not lovable, you speak Romans 8 33 through 39, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or danger or sword as it is written? For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, 
nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else at all in creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ Jesus, our Lord. You speak truth to that sin when it comes in and tells you that you are not lovable. The truth of scripture refutes the lies of Satan. So know the truth. Know the truth. Know scripture. So that when sin comes in and seeks to tell your heart lies, you speak truth to it. This is what Jephthah did when the Ammonite king came in to take the land that they thought was theirs by deceiving them. Jephthah says, no, no, no. I've read the book. I've read the book. I know how the story goes. I know this land does not belong to you. You know, Jephthah comes and speaks seeks peace with the Ammonite king. That is a noble thing to do. I think that is something that we should take notice of. That when enemies come against us, the first thing that we should do on a practical level is seek peace. First thing is not to take up arms and to fight, not to go to battle, but to seek peace. We seek peace with truth. I want you to know something. When sin comes wanting your heart back, peace is nowhere on its mind. What it really wants, what it really wants is war. Sin wants war. Jesus gives this account in Luke eleven twenty four through 26. He says, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. And finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter there and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So here is this unclean spirit. It comes to a heart that has been swept clean. It's been dispossessed. It's been kicked out of the heart. And the heart is now clean. And it comes back wanting to get back in. And it sees that it's clean. And so it goes and it gets seven more spirits and comes back. They come back because they want war. They're not coming back seeking peace. That's what sin does. It comes back seeking war. The Ammonite king was not interested in peace. He knew good and well that he was not getting back that land without a fight. And Jephthah knew as well. He knew as well that he was going to need to fight. You know, as we've been making our way through the book of Judges, I am sure you have noticed that the people of God seem to be always fighting. There's always a fight. There is there's always a battle. There are always those who would seek to rise up against the people of God wanting to do battle. Brothers and sisters, this is the Christian life. This is the Christian life. This is how it has been from the very beginning. 
when God in Genesis 3.15, when God in Genesis 3.15, after Adam and Eve have sinned, he says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. When God announced that the serpent would bruise the heel of the seed of the woman, these, this is when the war was declared. War was declared. We are seeing this war played out in Jephthah. This is what it is. The seed of the woman seeking to bruise, the, uh, the, the seed of the serpent seeking to bruise the heel of the woman. We see this not only in Jephthah, but in our daily lives as well as we battle sin. Christian life is a war. We do battle daily. We are at war with our sin, and peace with sin is out of the question. It is out of the question. When Jephthah heard that the Ammonite king wanted their land, he knew it was time to go to war. See, his last communication with the Ammonite kings ends. It ends in this declaration of war. But it is with a faith in God that he would deliver them. Look at verse 27. And this is why I think Jephthah's name is written, is written in amongst the hall of, of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. I therefore have not sinned against you. This is what he's saying to the Ammonite king. The last communication. The Ammonite king sends a message back saying that we want the land, and then Jephthah speaks truth. He sends a message back with truth to this Ammonite king. The Ammonite king doesn't get a chance to speak again to Jephthah. Jephthah declares war. He says, I therefore have not sinned against you, and you do me wrong by making war on me. The Lord, the judge, decide this day between the people of Israel and the people of Ammon. Jephthah declared war, and he declared war with a faith in his God, that God gave him that land, that God was going to vindicate his people. Oh, the people of God were given that land by God. When the Ammonite king demanded that Jephthah and the people of Israel turn over the land, he knew, Jephthah knew, that there was no way that that could happen. There was no way that that could happen. Why? Why couldn't Jephthah give up the land? Why not, why not count your losses and move on, Jephthah? Save some lives. They were about to go to battle. Save some lives, Jephthah. Give it up. I mean, who wants to fight anyway? Jephthah knew he could not just give over the land because God gave the Israelites that land. God gave them that land. That land really belonged to God and not to them. I pray. I pray that this would warm your heart this morning. That you would leave here rejoicing because you know 
to your heart. Your heart belongs to God. Your heart belongs to God. It's his. He purchased it with his blood. It belongs to him. He fought for your heart on the cross. It's his. That is his covenant promise. That he would be our God and we would be his people. Your heart belongs to God. It is his land. That's where he dwells. Listen, listen. When the enemy, the enemy is going to come to you. It's coming to you now. There is a war. There is a battle. There is a battle going on in your hearts and in your mind. And when sin comes to you, it is going to lie and tell you to give your heart over. To give it up. It's my land, as sin is going to say. Listen, your heart belongs to Christ. It's his. It's his land. He's not giving it up. Sin can't have your heart. It won't have your heart. It belongs to Christ. Oh, here is Jephthah again reminding us of Christ. Jephthah says to the Ammonite king, listen, listen, Ammonite king, I can't give you this land. I can't give it to you. God has given me this land. I cannot give it up. And Jesus in John chapter 10, beginning in verse 21 says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father. My father who has given them to me. Is greater than all. And no one. No one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. If your heart belongs to Christ this morning. He is not giving it up. God the Father gave your heart to God the Son, and it is his. It is his land. That is where he is dwelling, and he is not giving up that land. It belongs to him. How do you know? How do you know if he's in your heart? You believe him. You trust him when he says that I paid the penalty for your sins. I have set my love and affections on you so that you might turn and see Jesus as more glorious and more beautiful than anything this world could ever offer. That's how you know he's in the land of your heart. Trust and believe. God gave Jesus your heart. It's his. He's not giving it up. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. 
We thank you for the awesome promises that are your word. We know that, that this is truth. We know that it is true that you went to the cross and died so that you can reclaim us, so that you could purchase us from the evil one, O oh Lord. And we thank you, Father, that you have done so. And we thank you that Jesus reigns in our heart and that it is his land, and that he has not given it up, O oh Lord. Oh, that is such a wonderful promise to remember this morning. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.